Hospitality Media presents the Mike and Mo Show. Now here are your hosts, Mike Calandrillo and Maurice Moten. Welcome one and all to episode 41 of the Mike and Mo Show. I'm Mike Calandrillo. He, as always, is Maurice Moten. And welcome to this latest and greatest edition of our show. As some of you may know, we were off last week. It was Thanksgiving, so we are primed, ready to go. We still got some turkey left in our fridge. So we're going to see how this one goes, but I promise you... It's going to be a good one. We got tons to talk about. The NFL is steamrolling towards the playoffs. Big things are happening. The NBA is just getting started. Uh, you know, maybe we'll talk about a little Knicks. I don't know. We'll see. Major League Baseball has got the free agency period are cracking now that the new collective bargaining agreement has been sealed, signed, and delivered. We're good on that. Uh, before we go any further, Mo, welcome to the show. What's going on in Brooklyn, my man? Uh, I don't know about you, but I don't have any turkey left in my fridge. I, I was a monster for about a week. I just sat back. You know, watch football, eight. Pretty much that was it for me. So there's nothing left in my fridge. No potato salad, no lasagna, no ziti, no turkey, no chicken, no nothing. I got, I'm got. i back to salmon and rice. So, you know, I, I'm primed and ready. We got a lot to talk about. As you said, there's a lot of NFL news going down because at this point in the season, teams are either packing it up or they're gearing up for the playoffs. At the end of the show, we're also going to address some fantasy football and some Fighting news with Conor McGregor, which I find very interesting, but we'll get into that later. I want to start off with a tweet that I had, and if you haven't known, there was a, if you didn't know, Rob Gronkowski is going to be out for about eight weeks because he's going to need back surgery. I believe it was a disc in his back. This is the third time he's had surgery on his back. And a lot of people are saying uh, Rob Gronkowski is, is injury prone, and we would say that about anyone else, but because it's Rob Gronkowski and how good he is when he's on the field, we seem to brush by it, but it's the truth. I mean, he plays a lot more than people think. I think I put him in the Ben Roethlisberger category where they get a lot of these little nicks and bruises, but they play the majority of the season. And then after Rob Gronkowski's news came out, I, I mean, I had a tweet that said the Raiders could beat the Patriots in a shootout, definitely. And of course, there were some people that said, yeah, that's hope for the Raiders. And there were other people, the pessimistic Raiders fans were like, wait a minute, no, that's not true. And I, and I get it. People are afraid. People are scared to death of Bill Belichick on the sideline. But Bill Belichick cannot play cornerback. Bill Belichick cannot play tight end in the red zone. Now, quick trivia question. I just tweeted this out, too. When is the last time Tom Brady was held to fewer than 30 touchdown passes and had double-digit interceptions in a season? And that was in 2013 when Rob Gronkowski only played seven games. So I understand Martellus Bennett is going to fill the void, but Mar- Martellus Bennett is good, but he is not Gronkowski good in the end zone. When you have Rob, all you have to do is throw a fade in the end zone. He'll catch it. He's, he's bigger, stronger, to be able to push off a defender and catch the football, unless it's the Seattle Seahawks on Sunday Night Football. But that's besides the point. My point is, when, you're, when the Patriots are stuck with a team that can gun it out with them, like the Raiders, like the Pittsburgh Steelers, even maybe the Atlanta Falcons, I would go as far as to say even the Atlanta Falcons, could could give Patriots some problems and possibly win that game because you got to go score for score. Tom Brady really needs Gronkowski in the red zone to score some points because when you got Julian Edelman, who's, let's be honest, an average receiver, he is, he's elevated with Tom Brady in that system. But put Julian Edelman on any other football team, he's maybe a low two option, third option at best. And then you got Danny Amendola. You're not afraid of either of those players in the end zone. Like I said, Bennett is good, but he's not Gronkowski. 
The Raiders are playing well. I'm not getting too far ahead of myself because the Raiders still have to clinch a playoff spot as most other teams do as well. But what I'm saying is if it's Raiders and Patriots in an AFC championship game or an AFC divisional matchup, I wouldn't be so down on the Raiders. Well, you've made me a believer in the Raiders, and that's a very hard thing to do because I always put my faith in the Broncos. And, and uh, to a certain extent, Trevor Simeon did uh, he did he did bring that a little bit forthcoming last week. He he played well, and uh, even though they dropped the game to Kansas City, I thought it you know, definitely wasn't on him. Uh, Gary Kubiak kicking a 62-yarder in overtime. What a bum move that was. But regardless, um, yeah, man, this is going to be a great week. I think if there's ever a week for the Raiders to uh, – to take the top seed in the AFC, it's without Gronkowski. And like you mentioned, you know, Brady's a different type of quarterback without his main weapon, rightfully so. You know, anybody's going to be a different type of quarterback without the main guy that they, you know, their security blanket. So, uh, yeah, man, Raiders, if this defense plays the way it's capable of and can, you know, stop getting into crazy shootouts, then uh, I don't see why they can't possibly face the, the New England Patriots in the AFC championship game. I'm looking at this, and Rob Gronkowski has 68 touchdowns in his, I believe, seven-year career. 68 touchdowns. That's all. That's about 10 touchdowns a year. And remember, he didn't. He only played seven games in 2013. Yeah. So he's well. So he's well above one season in 2011. He had 17 touchdowns. That tells you what he does for Tom Brady near the red zone. And I compare it to what Odell Beckham does for Eli Manning with the Giants. Without Odell Beckham, Eli Manning is not as good as he is right now. Uh, let's be honest. Without, without Odell Beckham, he he elevates Manning's play. People sure. think Manning, oh, he's pretty good. No, it's it's the Odell Beckham effect because he's not doing that with Victor Cruz and Sterling Shepard, even though those are both decent receivers. Odell Beckham is on another level, just as Rob Gronkowski is on another level at the tight end position. Now, with the Raiders, people aren't giving him enough credit because I still read these stories where they say, oh, the Raiders, it's a cute story. And I'm like, it, it's no longer a cute story. This is a 9-2 and two team marching toward an AFC West t- title if they can beat the Chiefs, who's, who've had their number in recent years. But this is a 9-2 and two team who's clinched their first winning season since 2002. It's not a cute story. They are the story in the NFL. A cute story would be the Browns at 500 or the Eagles, you know, marching for an NFC title spot. That, those are cute stories because you like to see those things happen. The Raiders are crushing teams. But they're serious. They are a for real team. They're they a team that has a legitimate shot of going to the Super Bowl. You would not say that about the Philadelphia Eagles or the Cleveland Browns. Those are cute teams. Raiders, not a cute team. Give them more respect. They can be the Patriots right now with Ron Gronkowski likely out until the Super Bowl. Might pull a T.O. and just come back to the Super Bowl and play. Hopefully, we'll, maybe we'll see that. Maybe we won't. Maybe the Patriots will bow before the Super Bowl because they do have problems playing the Baltimore Ravens who are in the playoff hunt, and also the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are also in the playoff hunt out in the AFC North. Absolutely. Well, before we get to the next segment, I just gotta, I just gotta bring it out one last time for everybody that called my man a fraud, called him, <laughs> called him not the real deal, said that he was a fluke. If you've been under a rock, you know that Kirk Cousins is absolutely on par to earn, if not more, the same amount of money that Matthew Stafford and your boy Derek Carr could potentially earn this offseason. Now, we know that he was franchised last year and that this year the franchise tag is going to be about $25 million, which is quite a bit of your entire salary cap taken up in one player. Now, for a guy that's thrown for 1,544 yards and 10 touchdowns with no interceptions over the last four games, Mo, how much is my man worth on the open market? I mean, how much would a team like 
the Jets, the Broncos. How much would a team like that, if they got the opportunity, pay Kirk Cousins? Because, I, I mean, I don't see him leaving Washington, but if he were to hit the open market, you'd have to think that he would rival one of those other two guys in terms of average salary per season. You're, you're absolutely right. And I know you, you just couldn't wait for no. the open mic to address this, could you? But nope. um, anyway, I'll say this, okay? I apologize to Kurt Cousins. Mm-hmm. He's not a fraud. And I know I've said that plenty of times on this show. He is not a fraud. And he earned, he's earned every penny that he's going to get. Now, what I would pay him, what he's going to get, I should say, is, is the QB market is inflated. So we know he's, if you're going to give him a long-term deal, he's he's worth over $100 million easily. So, because if you look at the Washington Redskins, who is your quarterback? And I get I get furious at any team who says, "Oh, we have an average quarterback. We we don't want him back. Let's just let him go." Well, who is your who is your backup? What is your what is your secondary plan? I would rather pay, overpay for an average quarterback than have someone like Matt Barkley yeah. or I don't know Logan Thomas quarterback my football team or Ryan Nassim, the Giants' backup. So you got to understand. Yes, the market is going to be inflated at quarterback, no matter who you want to pay. It's going to be inflated. Just pay Kirk Cousins, give him, give him the multi-year deal because he has definitely earned it. And again, if you didn't give him a four or five-year deal, it's, it's easily over $100 million a year. Guaranteed money, I, I, I have to look at it with guaranteed money. I don't think he's worth luck guaranteed money, which is, I believe, about 87 or something guaranteed. But he's worth the cash. And if you saw, I saw a cutscene with him and his owner. Basically, he's like, how do you like me now? And he's rubbing the hair of his owner. I wouldn't do that myself because probably get fired for that but when you're when you're you know when you're Kirk Cousins and you're leading your team to a potentially a playoff spot after people have doubted you and called you a fraud like I have you can show a little moxie but I would just tone it down just a little bit Kirk just a little bit you turn it down I'm turning it up and I'm getting t-shirts <laughs> made and I'm going buck wild because my man is the I've got to be in the top five quarterbacks in the league this year and, and again he's in a really really tough division I mean, more than likely they'll make the playoffs unless something crazy happens the next few weeks. But uh, it's just good to see, you know, a guy who's had a lot of naysayers, uh, you know, just finally put it all together. And, and again, it's just another young quarterback that's putting it, putting it all out on the line. And uh, it just makes you think, like, well, if I'm a team like the Broncos, do I want a Tony Romo? Or would I want to, you know, potentially go for a guy who's going to play another 12 to 13 years? But, again... We won't know what's going to happen until if and when he gets uh, another year of the franchise tag. And again, what is it, Mo? Is it three years that you can franchise a guy in a row before that goes away? That's correct. He could yeah. be, be franchise tag for another two years. But I wouldn't recommend that because why would you want to hinder the cap space, the, cla- the cap flexibility of your yeah. football team? And you could just pay the guy and move on. Stop playing, you know, stop kicking the can down the road. Just pay him. He, right now, he is second behind Drew Brees in passing yards. That's Think about crazy. that. Yeah. He's not Matt Ryan, not Phillip Rivers, not Derek Carr. <laughs> it's Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah, go figure, you know. Open mic. Well, word came out earlier this afternoon that Jay Cutler will indeed be out for the rest of the season. Um, someone didn't tell him that he's actually been out for the entire season, even though he has been dressed in on the field. But regardless, there's been uh, it's been a couple reports this week that the, the Bears are not optimistic that uh, he definitely won't be back next year. Meaning, it's possible because, as Mo said in the last segment, there's just not that many good quarterbacks currently available. So, do you take the hit and release Jay Cutler? Let him go. He's gonna Obviously, he's going to get signed by 
someone. Someone's going to pick him up because he's probably better than, I don't know, 10, 15 quarterback in the league still. Uh, or do you let him go? But, uh, I mean, from the way it's he's a seven-year, $126 million guaranteed. I don't even know how much of that is guaranteed, but it's got to be at least, what, $30, $40 million? A base salary of $12.5 million, another $2.5 million in bonuses. I mean, it's a lot of money. So uh, I think if anybody goes in Chicago, it's probably the head coach, John Fox, uh, and and then maybe Alshon Jeffrey, although I can definitely see them possibly tagging him again for a second straight year. Now, Mo, one, does it make sense for the Bears to keep him? And two, if not, where could you see him playing? Well, number one, okay, it makes sense for the Bears to keep him. Why? Because, as I said in the last segment, do you really want to go into the next season with Matt Barkley as your starting quarterback? Because that's what you're going to be faced with if you let go of Jay Cutler outright. The smart thing to do is to keep him on your roster until you find your quarterback so that even if you get another quarterback and he happens to be a bust, you still have Jay Cutler to fall back on. And, again, you can release him at any time because you don't owe him any more money. So it, you know, at any point of time, you could just cut ties if you find your guy. So, yes, you should keep him. The next thing is, I don't know where Jake Culler goes if he gets released because if you look at the NFL landscape right now, a lot of teams are pretty – they're either set at quarterback or they're trying out a quarterback that could be the guy. Now, if you look at it, I, don't, I mean, he's not going back to Denver. And I know Denver is going to have probably have a change of quarterback. Even though Trevor Sidney is playing well, I, I expect Paxton Lynch to eventually take that spot. Sure. Now, San Francisco, maybe? I, I don't think so because Chip Kelly likes an accurate quarterback and Jay Cutler is not all that accurate. So I'll be honest and be truthful with you. If Jay Cutler wants to go somewhere, the Jets will probably be one of the few spots that he can go to because the Jets are the only team right now I feel like doesn't have a clear plan at quarterback. They're out there trotting out Ryan Fitzpatrick week after week when we know Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to be back next year. He's not part of that future. So I don't know what the Jets are doing at quarterback. The Houston Texans may be interesting because Brock Osweiler is a lot worse than we originally thought he was. Yeah. He is not who we thought he was. So uh, the Texans may be back on the market before we know it. But just just glancing at everything, as I said, maybe the Arizona Cardinals because Carson Palmer isn't as good as he used to be, question mark, and Tony Romo could take that spot, I think, in my opinion. But Jay Cutler, I think he if he's not going to get – obviously he's not going to get back on the field this year. Next year, I think he'll have a chance to play a few games before the Bears settle in on their quarterback. And, you know, they might pull the Jeff Fisher role and say, hey, we'll, we'll start a veteran. We'll start someone who knows the game before we throw our franchise, potentially franchise quarterback. I think he'll have a small window, a very, very small window to audition. But other than that, I, I hate to say it, but Jake, Jake Cutler's career could be over as a starter. I see him holding the clipboard within another two years. So Jake Cutler reunites with Brandon Marshall for the third time with no. the Jets, and they go to the Super Bowl. No, oh, not gonna. No. Okay, <laughs> that, that's that's pushing it. That, that's pushing it. it. Another thing is Brandon Marshall didn't always have great things to say about Jay Cutler. Yeah. So yeah, that, true. And they it, they may have to thaw, thaw out that relationship before they start throwing touchdowns up there. So we'll see. But I I would if I'm Jay Cutler, he says he's not worried about his future, but I would be because, like I said, there there aren't a lot of spots for him to go to, especially. But Tony Romo, who's a better quarterback than he is, even at his advanced age and all those injuries, still a better quarterback on Jake Cutler, a little higher on the total pole than he is on the free agent market. I see two places for Cutler. One, the obvious Cleveland, because if he doesn't quarterback there, maybe you could. 
Uh, and two, I honestly see Arizona. Arizona needs a lot of changes. And I think Carson Palmer, he's a fine quarterback, but another guy that shouldn't necessarily be a starter. Now, if you want to bring him back another year, you've got to have somebody there to either compete with him or to push him or something. Or, you know, the fact that Carson Palmer is also pretty fragile uh, as well. So I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. You give Cutler, you know, one year, six, seven million dollar contract to back up, uh, you know, Palmer if you're really inclined to keep him. But that team is just a, a, a huge mess. And I think uh, Bruce Arians, head coach, could could also bite the bullet as well this offseason. You're absolutely right. One interesting, I have an interesting suggestion here. And the fan base of this team is going to fringe a little bit. <laughs> what about if Jay Cutler goes to the Minnesota Vikings? Ooh. Because remember, uh, Sam Bradford isn't exactly lighting it up. No. Teddy Bridgewater, they say they're saying that it's it's possible that he may miss another season. He had that yeah. gruesome injury where he could possibly miss also the 2017 season. So they may need a one year rental, and I think Jay Cutler could fit in there for one year and maybe maybe spark something and give that team something. I mean, if you have Adrian Peterson to hand the ball off to, I think Jay Cutler would be okay in that system. Yeah, the only thing I'm, I worry is that they gave up a first round pick which I still can't believe, to Philly to get Bradford. So you are almost you almost think you're inclined to you have to bring him back for a year or maybe a year with an option or two years just because you gave up so much. I mean, like you said, he hasn't played great. He hasn't been awful. He's been Sam Bradford. He throws seven yards, you know, in and out, and then, you know, he hopes that Stefan Diggs can turn the corner. But that's always been Bradford's game. That's the way he plays, and uh, maybe they feel safer with him than they would a guy like Cutler, who does, probably has a stronger arm and, you know, a little bit more mobility. But I don't know. You, you gave up so much to get him. I just think at this point it'd be crazy to go away from that just, just now. It, it would be a huge toss-up. I think yeah. we would have this, how the season plays out. The Vikings play the Cowboys tonight. If they win, it yeah. looks good for them, but I doubt they do. No. Uh, of course, we'll get into that in the wrap-up with our picks, but... Vikings could be in a very interesting situation where their quarterback position could be in doubt yet again. Well, it doesn't look like the Los Angeles Rams are going to get to 9-7 and seven this year. It, I don't even know if they'll get to 7-9 and nine the way they're playing. But you've know, got to look at the one bright spot last week, which was their rookie quarterback, Jared Goff. He went 20 for 32, 314 yards and three touchdowns. Okay, he had the one pick, but it was his second start. And look, the team got blown out to New Orleans, 49-21. to 21. So, uh, you know, you got to look at the defense, one, which, you know, L.A. was supposed to have a pretty good defense, top 10 in the NFL coming into the season and then two you got to look at the guy who's been in the news Todd Gurley second year back you know reigning uh, NFL rookie of the year he's had a really difficult time going this year he does have nearly 900 yards from scrimmage but his top rushing total in the year has been 85 yards in one game I, I mean he's only had a, tw- a season high 27 carries one time and this was a guy that Many people, including myself and a couple of these, drafted in the first round of your fantasy. And, you know, he's in the news staying, you know, most of the right things. You know, we quote, we just have to keep fighting, man. Uh, we're not going to go out like punks. No matter what the record is, you don't want to go out like punks. He said punks a couple times. So, you know, what is obviously the problem you would think falls back on the head coach, even though owner Stan Kroenke of the L.A. Rams keeps saying that uh, Fisher is doing a perfect job. He's doing everything he needs to do. So I don't think uh, Fisher's going to get canned, but is it the play calling? I mean, what is the issue? How could Gurley go from so good to, to I mean, obviously the line's got to open the holes, but there's something missing there besides the defense has gone completely downhill really, really fast. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, people have criticized the offensive line. I think it's obviously not right here. You got, you got Todd Gurley running Trent Richardson numbers, averaging 3.2 yards per carry. 
That is not going to help you, young quarterbacks. So I'm surprised they put him out there with Gurley playing so so poorly. But back to Goff, I think we jumped to criticism. People were quick to say, oh, maybe Goff is a bust before he even took a snap. Yeah. Maybe Jeff, Jeff Fisher did the right thing of holding him out. Personally, I would have probably started him in that Jets game where that game was was horrible to watch for your eyeballs, the 9-6 loss that, they, that the Jets had to the Rams. I would have started him that game. I would have started him a little earlier. But I can't fault Fisher for starting him against a weak New Orleans Saints defense. and Or even on Miami. You know, Miami who's who hasn't... I guess they picked up their pass defense recently, but Miami, before, we didn't look at them as a, as a tough team. So I guess kudos to Jeff Fisher on that. But golf, you know, again, we, we jump to conclusions. I think he'll be fine. People look at him in the Kirk Cousins mold where he doesn't have the strongest arm, but if you put enough weapons around him, he could flourish. I could see that being him. A lot of people compare him to Matt Ryan coming into the league. I, I can even see that being him. But with Jeff Fisher, when's the last time a Jeff Fisher team has had an explosive offense? Think about that. He's not really good at coaching up quarterbacks or putting together good offenses, so he needs a really good offensive coordinator to make that thing go. And right now, I don't think they have that. So that, that's the only problem I have with Jeff Goff, Jared Goff and his fit in Los Angeles. But I, I do want to touch on something real quick. There was a beef between Eric Dickerson and Jeff Fisher. Basically, Eric Dickerson slammed the whole Rams for, for a, another poor season. Surprise, surprise. And Jeff Fisher didn't take too kindly. He doesn't want Eric Dickerson on the sideline because he's bashing the team. And then Jeff Fisher said, you know, I, I didn't say he didn't co- he could come on the sideline. Eric Dickerson said, yes, he did. And then the Rams organization said, we welcome all our former players. And this is not just any former player. This is Eric Dickerson. This is a Hall of Famer. This is a guy who's Mr. Ram, okay? So Jeff Fisher, I think, is picking a fight with the Giant that he shouldn't pick a fight with. Eric Dickerson, if you haven't noticed, he's, he's on the radio. He's paid to give his opinions, his honest opinions, whether they're favorable or not. That is his job. And a lot of people are questioning whether he should be on the radio giving honest opinion, but then behind the scenes standing on the sidelines with the Rams. Me, personally, as a person who gives opinion and is paid to give opinions, I wouldn't be on the Raiders' sideline if I'm going to be critical, only because I know there's going to be tension there. If I say something about Derek Carr or Khalil Mack, if I show up on the sideline, I know that you know, I could be a distraction to that team. And if I'm Eric Dickerson, I would say, hey, just pick a... I think someone said this, Christine Leahy of Fox Sports said this. She said, sometimes you just need to pick a lane. If you're going to give honest opinions... Don't try to be one of the guys on the sideline, part of the organization, or part of this organization. You are now an independent opinion giver. Just be that, okay? So pick a lane. So I kind of side with Fisher and saying, you know, I don't want you around, but I don't think it was Fisher's place to make that call. If the organization didn't want Eric Dickerson around, then they would say they don't want Eric Dickerson around. It is not up to Jeff Fisher, Mr. 7-9, to make that call. It's uh, Mr. 9-7. and seven. <laughs> whatever Mr. <laughs> not good enough to make the playoffs since yeah. 2003 hey my man's my man's got tenure okay you can't fire him he's like he's not going anywhere ever I mean you can fact check this but I think this guy is like a, a loss or two away from being having the most losses of any NFL head coach more than Dan Reeves I believe or something like that yeah, like it. that is ridiculous like if, if Lovey Smith could get fired after two years if John Fox can get fired after two three years Jeff Fisher hanging around with these mediocre records and hasn't done anything since 2003? Come on, seriously? Hey, this, that, is, this is where we're going? That Nash, the Nashville miracle, whatever it was called, that saved this man's job for a very, very long time. Gosh, I, he hasn't won, Mike, he hasn't won a playoff game. I mean, I know he's had a 10-6 season, a 13-3 season, 
But both those seasons, he went to the playoffs and got shut out in the first game. He hasn't won a postseason game since 2003. Like, I was 17 years old. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, you're a guy, you have a mustache. Clearly, there's some power in that facial hair. So, I mean, you know, more power to him. And um, we'll be doing this show in 2025, and he'll still have the job. So, there is that. But let's move on to another terrible team, the New York Jets. And quite possibly their most overrated but underperforming player on the roster, Darrell Revis. Now, there's been a lot of he said, she said. There's been a lot of uh, speculation in the media. And, Mo, you'll get into that in a moment. But the thing is, the guy's signed for till 2018. He's due $13 million next year. So even if he were to retire, as some of the reports suggest that he is ready to, he's still going to uh, he's still gonna get his $6 million guaranteed for next season. So, Mo, do the Jets... Try to convince him to move to safety and take a pay cut. Would he then take that? Or three, is it is it true that he is tanked this season, doesn't give a crap about anybody but himself, and is just waiting for the, the minutes to go by until he can, you know, ride off into the sunset? I want to be careful about what I say about what Duar Rivas feels because I personally don't know Duar Rivas. He hasn't spoken to me about this. Apparently, a confidant of Duar Rivas spoke to Manish Meta of the New York Daily News and told him that. He, does, he, as in Darrell Rivas, doesn't want to play anymore. Now, we all know that when these reports come out, players often come out and deny the validity of these reports and say, that's not true, I didn't exactly say that. Now, we'll be careful with the contest because maybe he didn't want to play anymore this season because he stinks. Yeah. Or, or does he really like want to walk away from the game completely? Now, if I were the Jets, I would approach him and say, hey, you know, you know you're declining, we know you're declining. Would you like to move to safety and try this out? You know, take a pay cut. I, I you know, I he- I'm hesitant to say that because we all know Darrell Rivas loves his money, and I don't see him taking a pay cut. Mm-hmm. But it, it's a matter of this: do you wanna, do you wanna take the pay cut and move to safety and reinvigorate your career and possibly stay in New York, or do you wanna just keep your money and move on and we cut you? Because he has no use out there at cornerback right now. Teams are targeting him. Teams are targeting Rivas Island right now, and he is a liability out there at the cornerback position. So if he's out there. You can't have him one on one or even in zone coverage because it's going to throw him and they're going to rack up yards. So it's a complicated situation. First, we have to figure out what Darrell Rivas meant. Does he not want to play anymore this year or is he done completely? Second thing is okay, what does he do next? Does he continue to play cornerback? Does he blame his wrist surgery and being out of shape for his poor play? Or does he suck it up and move to safety as he should at this point in his career? Time will tell. And I think. If I, as a betting man, as a non-betting man, I should say, I think Darrell Rivas will actually walk away in, in a sense that where the Jets will cut ties and say, hey, look, we're, you know, if you're not going to move to safety and take the pay cut, then we're done. Because I had a, a Bleacher Report message say that the owner of the Jets, Woody Johnson, feels betrayed by Darrell Rivas and his play. So again, it's all about the dollar, and I think I think the Jets are fed up with Darrell Rivas. And if he doesn't comply completely with, with, with what they want, then he's gone. Absolutely. Spurkin words have never been more true, Mo. Get it together, my man, Revis, because your island is open for business right about now. (laughs) We will be right back with Building Momentum. Stay tuned. It's now time for Building Momentum. 
Well, before we get into the, the subject at hand, Mo, our Knicks are 9-9, okay? We're three games out of the Atlantic Division. 9-9, it's not, it's not bad. It's not terrible. It's not great. But, you know, last night they showed some fortitude. Christoph Porzingis continues to be the face of the Knicks, regardless of what Melo thinks, dropping 29 points. Obviously, Melo, clutch, iso Melo with no time left, puts in that two-pointer. Only had 14 points, shot 5 for 16, so not great. But uh, but looking at Porzingis, eight, eight boards, four assists. I mean, the kid is coming to his own. But what we're talking about now is Derrick Rose, okay? He was only 5 for 12 from the field. He played 24 minutes last night. He had 11 points. For the season, he's averaging 16.8 points, 4.9 assists. Not great. I actually believe it's the least amount of assists per game for a starting point guard in the NBA. And he's shooting about 43.8% from the floor. But, as you and I talked about off-air, Knicks fans are in love with Derrick Rose. I don't know if it's because we haven't had a point guard that has been worth a damn in New York since, like, Charlie Ward, and even then I wasn't a fan of him, but this guy's going to want to get paid, and there's been some speculation of when and if that's going to start. Um, I mean, he's already making $21 million plus this season. He's 28. An extension's going to start at about $23 million. I mean, could the Knicks really offer him $75 million over three years? I mean... I'm already dreading the, the amount of money that we gave to Noah because in 18 games, he's played, what, four? So, I mean, what do we tell Knicks fans? Do we tell them to pump the brakes? Do we tell them that, you know, this is the best they're going to get from Rose? Or should we be optimistic and hope that 16 points is only going to go up to 20 and those assists are going to at least get to six assists a game because 4.9 ain't cutting it? it First of all, I want to say some Nick fans, some, not all of them, but some of these Nick fans are delusional, okay? First of all, this is the best you're going to get out of Rose at this point in his career. He hasn't broken down. He has 18, 18 games. Cross your fingers on that one. Yeah. But you do not, I repeat, you do not want to give him a four- to five-year deal, 23-plus million over a long course of time at 28 years old. Just... If you want an example of a player you shouldn't play, you shouldn't pay at an advanced age, just look, as you said, at Noah. Noah is playing 22.5 minutes per game. And the Knicks paid him $72 million over four years. And they're probably already regretting that, even though they won't say so. You're not going to give Rose that type of more money. And he and his body has already been broken down. And think about it. Three years down the line, what is Rose going to be? Right now, as it is, at, at his peak right now, he's not even averaging five assists a game at the point guard position. So you can do a lot better. I, yes, if you're going to get Rose for a reasonable amount, fine. But we're talking about $23 million a year for a long-term deal. I say no thanks. Now, it may look ugly because the way Rose is playing right now and the, the point guards in the free agent market aren't plentiful in 2017. But to be honest with you, I'd rather have Jeff Teague, who's going to be a free agent, than Derrick Rose on a long-term deal. Uh, that's just me. It sounds crazy right now because the way Rose is playing, he's he's giving the people in the garden something to look at, and Jeff Teague isn't that spectacular or flashy, but it's a money move. To me, it's a, it's a financial situation where you want to have cap flexibility and you don't want to overpay for an injury-prone point guard on the downside. Just don't do it. You Learn from your mistakes. You already paid Noah his money and you're going to waste a lot of those dollars learn from your mistakes and i think a lot of the reasoning that nicks fans are, are you know so adamant that they want to keep rose is because russell westbrook which was the guy that every nick fan wanted it you know re-upped for three more years with oklahoma city so like you said well do you do you go with a guy like jeff teague do, do you hope you know you'd get somebody in the draft or you know do you go again with rose who you know again is is playing well but playing 
probably worth about six fifty five million. Although again, the cap keeps going up. Player crazy guys are getting paid. I mean, uh, how many guys did the Knicks overpay this offseason? Fifty five, sixty million here and there for a three and D guy that you know sprained his ankle last night. So I, it's just. He's going to get paid. I don't know if it's going to be the Knicks regardless, but somebody is going to overpay him, and potentially it could be you know the team we root for. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Someone is going to overpay him. It just better not be the Knicks because the Knicks have had a history of overpaying people, and it's never worked out, and it's not going to work out this time, even with Derrick Rose. Again, I you can record me on this one. This is obviously recorded, but this is the best. Right now at 16.4 points and 4.8 assists per game, this is the best. Shooting 43%, by the way. This is the best you're going to get from Derrick Rose. It's all downhill from here. Mark my words, it's all downhill from here. If you're going to pay him more money for less production, then you're in the wrong business. Hey, that's what the NBA is all about. More money, less production. That's how you get to uh, the top of the lottery. But sticking (laughs) with lottery teams, the Magic are back in the news. And maybe they're a team that might overpay Derrick Rose. Because no matter what general manager Rob Hennigan does in the offseason and via the draft, it has yet to translate into winning. This is a team now that is 7-11, and 11, and after trading for Serge Ibaka, who, by the way, is still a free agent come the summertime, this is a team that's got a lot a lot of things to figure out right now. Uh, you got rid of Victor Oladipo, Ursan Elisova, you traded DeMontis Sabonis, which I'm still upset about, and you went out and signed Bismack Biombo, a defensive guy, no offense, for $72 million over four years. And that's money that, you know, could potentially go to Derrick Rose. So, I like what they did with Frank Vogel. You, you, you kind of he's he hasn't really worked out on the court because they don't know what they're doing with a guy like Nick Vujovic, who's coming off the bench now in favor of Biombo. He's upset. Uh, you know, as much as Aaron Gordon can jump out of the building, he's yet to really translate that into much of an on-court presence as far as, you know, distributing the ball, shooting the ball, driving to the lane. He has flashes, as does Alfred Payton. But again, another guy who has really yet to shine as a point guard. There's just so much instability with this team that eventually you would think somebody has to bite the bullet. And it looks like Hennigan's going to be that guy. I mean, last week there was a story that Hennigan was so adamant on drafting Mario Hazonia in 2015 with the fourth pick uh, that he passed up Devin Booker, who Devin Booker actually wanted to come and be a Magic, uh, is now obviously with Phoenix and playing really, really well. And Hazonia played 14 minutes the other night. So, Mo, I know I'm hard on Hennigan's because I live in Orlando, but man, it is depressing to watch this team. It just seems like every year they get a little bit worse, and it doesn't matter that they spend money because they spend it foolishly. Yeah, this is the ang- this is the anger Mike segment. If you haven't <laughs> checked in yet, uh, you know it's sucks. I expected the Magic to do you know okay. I didn't think they would be this uh, bad, yeah. but apparently they they defy logic and they're this bad. So. Uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is with the Magic, but they, they have players, and I think Frank Vogel is doing right now is he's trying to figure out the best combination on the court. Unfortunately, he doesn't have a lot of offensive weapons to work with, so he has to kind of fiddle with the starting lineup. Jeff Green's been in and out of it. You said Vucevic has been benched with Biombo. Aaron Gordon's been in and out. Alfred Payton, in and out. So it's going to take a while for this team to get it together, and I think they're going to have to change over management to someone else with a clear vision. Because as you said, Hazonia hasn't done much, and you got Booker out there who's starting for the Phoenix Suns and putting up a lot of points. Now, imagine the Magic are 29th in scoring. You don't think Devin Booker would be able to fix that with his with his? I believe he's upward of 22 points per game right now with the Phoenix Suns. So, 
poor decision there could sink his future with the magic Hennigan that is and it's well deserved if you don't win it's a bottom line business you gotta move on pack your bags and bounce yeah I mean I'll take the job I'll take a quarter of his salary and I promise you I will get you more than seven wins out of your first 18 contest I mean there's a lot of talent on this team you went out and got a really good coach with a great track record but maybe it's the players that you're assembling for that coach to coach yeah, just quick note, Booker, 19.1 points per game. I, I think that would be a huge lift for the Magic if they had him. But, you know, they wanted Hazonia, so, you know, you got you got to fall. You gotta, if you're going to make a bold decision, you got to live and die by that decision. And I think Hennigan, you know, signed his deal. Because I don't think the Magic are going to go to the playoffs this year. They, they may win, what, maybe 30 to 35 games? Man, it's so not good. enough to keep your job. No, it's, it's really not. And, again, it's, it's time for the Magic to really shake it up. Another guy, it seems like he can't do no wrong, and he continues year after year, but doesn't put a winning product on the court. So it's just confusing to me. But speaking of a non-winning team on the field, look no further than the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Brian Kelly, your head coach for way too long now, is 4-8. and eight. And this guy has got the nerve, the audacity to be said to be looking elsewhere at other <laughs> opportunities. Why would anyone want you, sir? If I'm a high school program, I wouldn't offer you the head coaching job. I mean, really? He's rumored to be interested in the Texas job? Oh, yeah, well, you know what? That's gone. They fired Tom Herman. So um, I just I can't get over this guy. He had one good year with Cincinnati, which seems like forever ago. He, he spiraled that into the Notre Dame job, which is still one of the most you know illustrious jobs in all of college football, even though they haven't been very good in the past two years. And now this guy has got the audacity to say, oh, there might be other options for me, maybe Houston, because they need a head coach. And, you know, Oregon is in the mix as well. I'm just, I'm totally, I'm blown away. You've had an academic scandal at Notre Dame under your watch. You've had players that have done illegal things that you've had to let go of the team as early as this year. How could this guy even, you know, have the nerve to say that he he's potentially looking to go elsewhere? Uh, first of all, you should be fired. And second of all, you should keep your mouth shut and worry about, you know, getting better than four and eight. You shouldn't even have a job, let alone this job. These episodes are a lot better when Mike is upset. I swear. I, I'm still picking up the lava pieces from when Mike's head exploded all the way in Brooklyn oh right now. God, so. no idea. It, there, there's that, but you're absolutely right. Everything you just said about Brian Kelly, this guy has no leeway, no leverage to say, you know what, I'm going to explore my options. Notre Dame should be saying that about him. And, you know, it's just not working for him out there. And he's screaming at players and they're losing games. It's, it's just not a good mix. Then you add in the scandal, the academic scandal with the players. Not a good mix. As you said, Tom Herman now coaches, uh, has a Texas job. Ed Orgeron is at LSU. Oregon will probably be open. Houston is is open, but I hear that uh, Les Miles is being considered for that job. Yeah. So if I'm Brian Kelly, I try to stick it out and make it right because Notre Dame is a, is a prestigious job in the college football landscape. So you, sir, need to stick it out and, and turn it around and, you know, bolster your resume because that's probably the best job you're going to get in college football unless you're moving on to an NFL job. And I don't see why an NFL team would want to bring you in if you couldn't get it done. 
in the college ranks. Yeah, well, you know, another guy, uh, Chip Kelly there in San Francisco says, oh, I'm not interested in the Oregon job, but I'm willing to help them look for a coach. Why do they need your help? You, you, you got fired from Philly after screwing that organization completely up, and now you're with San Francisco, and they're dreadful. Uh, so why would Oregon want you anywhere near? Unless you're going to go back to Oregon, which probably he should, because that was where he obviously succeeded. Like, what gives these guys the ego to think that, like, oh, you're miserable where you are now, but you'll be good when you go some What? Like, no, not at all. Mike, you're not getting any Christmas cards this year from college football coaches, I assume. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, 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 it, it's understandable. But, man, I'm just – take accountability. Like, you stink. You know what? Then wash it off and figure it out. But and tell me that you're going to go elsewhere and leave somebody with your pile of manure where you currently lay. That's, that's just – that's weak. It's weak, Mo. I, I think Notre Dame will give him another year. And if they don't make any noise next year, I think he's gone. I think, uh, they'll st- I think they'll stick with him. Usually when universities say they'll stick with a coach, they usually stick by the word. Unless something catastrophic happens. I know the academic scandal came out. Yeah, It's not catching a lot of fire as if it was a, a, a bigger scandal like the Louisville scandal with prostitutes and such. If something like that was going on, then I think he'd be out. But there are a lot of academic scandals going on in the in the college football ranks, and we know it goes on a lot more than it's reported. So I think they'll stick by Kelly for at least another year before he's either booted or they look at him like, oh, he's the savior in Notre Dame again. Yeah, absolutely. Let's shift to baseball. Mo, are you excited about the upcoming World Baseball Classic? Yeah, you know, World Baseball Classic. Yeah, about that. Uh-huh. I uh, didn't know there was... <laughs> World Baseball Classic, but um, thanks for thanks for filling me in on that. And I did some research on it, and apparently, it's not doing well. And the USA team is uh, hasn't finished first, second, and third. So I'm not surprised that I or a lot of other people in the, in America, for that matter, don't know about this World Baseball Classic. So I can't feel too embarrassed about that. Yeah, well, the reports are that this could possibly be the final. World Baseball Classic, uh, just not bringing enough money, unfortunately, and and it is played all throughout the world. Uh, you know the different regions. It's kind of like a world uh, in March Madness kind of kind of tournament. Uh, yeah, USA has not been very good. Fourth place just once in two thousand nine, but it does look like this year we're actually going to get some of uh, our better players to suit up it's kind of like the, when the dream team guys didn't want to go anymore because the and obviously the world baseball classic is even before spring training so you know the guys aren't prime they're not ready to go they don't want to get hurt it's a long long season that they're about to embark upon so i get it but we are going to have guys like nolan arenado at third base who is one of the you know best offensive defensive third baseman in all of baseball uh clayton kershaw might might pitch that's a big if uh jonathan lucroy is going to be behind the plate so there are a number of guys that could potentially get this you USA team, uh, you know, to, to prominence. But again, you're playing teams like Puerto Rico, Venezuela, Dominican Republic, Japan. These are all teams that have been, you know, in the finals before. They're really good teams. But in 2020, baseball's back in the Summer Olympics. So, uh, you know, to me personally, I would rather go out and win a a gold medal in the Olympics as opposed to a World Baseball Classic. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on the details of the Olympics, so uh, it's never been allowed for the for uh, the America, uh, United States, to have their professional players. Usually we send college kids and or prospects, minor league guys. So it'll be interesting to see. But still, um, there's, yeah, there's just not a lot of, you know, validity behind it. the American players going out before busting their butts and trying to win. But maybe something will change this time around uh, because, like I said, it could be the last one. Now, Mo, also in baseball, the collective bargaining agreement was finally settled. So we will not have... Uh, 
a work stoppage, which luckily is the case. Uh, 1994, if you remember correctly, was the last one uh, that that cost an entire season. It was like 800 days. It went through 100. It was just crazy. And it hurt baseball. And that was a reason the, uh, the whole steroid scandal kind of came about because baseball was trying to win the fans. And, you know, we're still dealing with that many, many years later. But, hey, Mo, your Mets signed Ioannis Cespedes for four years and a hundred and billion dollars it seems like because he's getting 27 and a half million dollars a season which puts him in the top 10 of of i want to say overpriced overpaid but paid players in major league baseball how do you feel about that mo um you know uh not so bad i mean he's a fan favorite i mean what i mean what do you want baseball players get paid if, if they had let him go Mets fans have been whining they're still whining about bartolo Colon yeah. going to the Braves. so mm-hmm. i mean well, I mean, what are you going to do? I, a lot of people thought that he was gone because he, you know, he opted out. People say, oh, he's going to sign somewhere else. But you got now you got to, at least you got a bat. And people, some people label him a diva. Some people say he's more needed. You know, I say, hey, you, you got another bat. It can't hurt the team, right? Yeah. Right? No, absolutely. They needed him. I mean, they got so many question marks. You know, will David Wright come back? Uh, to be anything like he used to be. Will Neil Walker rebound from back surgery? Uh, there, there is a rumor tomorrow that Jacob deGrom is having a, uh, a press conference at City Field, and uh, I hate to say it, but that that sounds ominous. I mean, uh, why would you have a press conference in the offseason? Either you're, you're, uh, you're re-signing, you know, maybe that's it, or maybe it's something catastrophe and you're, you have arm surgery. We know that he missed portions of last year with problems, so, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, as a baseball fan in general, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hope for the, the best in that situation but that's not good but again the Mets were, were daring they went out and signed this guy they needed him he's going to sit in the middle of their lineup like you said he is a fan favorite uh it is a lot of money and and look they didn't necessarily know the terms of the new collective bargaining agreement but it works in their benefit obviously the the the, the tax the luxury tax has been at 189 million uh for some time now and it's going to be raised to about 195 million this year and over the five-year course of the CBA it's going to go between 210 and 215 so that's good news for teams that like to spend money the the Mets the Yankees the Red Sox the Dodgers all that teams that you know make a lot of money but do invest it back into their club uh, a lot of good things that are coming out of the CBA they did uh, they did veto down the, the international um, international draft for potential international players which to certain teams is better because there is going to be a cap on that as well something like three hundred thousand for a year but you know you can go over the cap you're just going to lose uh, you know you're going to lose either draft picks or whatever they they decide upon uh, in a later time and date uh, they. They also are doing away with the losing of the first round for qualifying offer that is given to a player. Uh, so if a player obviously declines the QO, uh, if the Yankees say went after a guy like uh, Kenley Jansen of the Dodgers, they would have to give up a first round pick. While that is still in existence for this season, following next year, uh, teams that are over the threshold are going to lose a second and a fifth round pick, and teams that are under the threshold are only are actually going to lose a third round pick. So it's pretty fair. It still gives back to the teams that are losing somebody uh, and. It also it helps the teams that are gaining that while they are going to still give up a, a draft pick, it's not a huge first round pick because as we've seen, teams have been reluctant to sign guys. You know that they when they have to basically give up a prospect. You know most of the time these first round picks turn out to be something. Uh, so it's good to see that you know baseball is willing to bend with that. Uh, they also decided not to implement a 26 man on the roster. They're going to stick with 25 and they're going to stick with the 40 men coming up in September. Uh, so you know a lot of good things in baseball. Baseball's trying to do the right 
thing. They added four to five more off days during the season. So now uh, the Major League season is going to start midweek. Uh, it's still going to be 162 games, Mo. We didn't we didn't decrease that at all. It's actually going to take about 188 days to play. Uh, so it's still a lot. I'm still probably of the minority that believes baseball needs to shorten itself down to like 140 games. Uh, you know, to I mean, I would I would do it. You shorten it to 130. Yeah, I mean, these guys, you look at the Tommy John surgeries, you look at the injuries that these guys are really succumbing to every season, and it's because they play too much. Flat out, between spring training, uh, working out in the offseason, potential postseason and World Series, these guys are playing 10 months out of the year. I mean, it's a lot on on a body, and, and that's why they're breaking down. And again, you also got a lot of teams that are bad. I mean, really, there's just a lot of poor baseball being played during 162 games that why people have to spend their money on to go watch and why would you want to so shorten the season and it takes care of a lot but it's not going to happen for five years and unfortunately it's probably never going to happen because if you shorten the the length of the games you have to shorten the amount of money that everybody's owed and then that right there would probably cause a work stoppage and a strike that may never that baseball may never bounce back from so um it's a start Still got a long ways to go, but at least this way we don't have a work stoppage. Baseball will continue on, and Monday starts the winter meetings where uh, we usually see a lot of transactions happen before uh, before Christmas and the New Year. So buckle up, baseball fans. It shall be fun. One thing, though. Baseball is also returning the – I don't know if you mentioned this, McGann, glanced off, but the, the winner of the All-Star game no longer right. controls. That conference no longer controls home field advantage in the World Series, Correct. which I was screaming about on one of our episodes <laughs> – you know, the Cubs eventually won anyway. Yeah. Glad they're doing away with, with that stipulation. Yeah, yeah. Now the All-Star Game winner will no longer dictate uh, the, the World Series home field advantage, which actually, what is it, 11 of the past 14 years has been the American League. So uh, if you're an American League team, you might be a little salty. If you're a National League fan like Mo, you're probably uh, okay with this. To, to me, either way, uh, I, I personally liked it because uh, I, I, I think it's – for me, it was better to watch a game where something's invested. We've talked about the Pro Bowl, how it's just horrible. Uh, it's an offensive shootout. And then you got a guy like Tyler Eifert who got hurt in that game and just came back two weeks ago. And for what? For for an exhibition game. And then you've got the NBA All-Star game, which is like, you know, uh, it's like an N1 mixtape and nobody plays until the fourth quarter. So, you know, again, you take it for what it's worth. I know it's an exhibition game. I know you shouldn't really put a whole lot into it, but... Uh, I don't know. For me, it might not have the the same amount of uh, chutzpah, even though it is here in Miami this year. So I may go watch because it is on my birthday. Uh, it's always been something I wanted to do. But regardless, yeah, that's now gone. Uh, that's something the players wanted, uh, and I think the fans as well. So they're they're trying. They're trying to give everybody something that they wanted. Uh, there were a lot of concessions made, especially on the part of the owners, because the owners know, hey, if the players don't want to play, we ain't gonna make any money. So uh, whereas back in '94 with the strike, that was totally owners driven and they got a lot out of that collecting a bargaining agreement. So uh, at least for five years, we know there will be ball, and uh, hopefully for many more years after that. Hopefully the, the other days follow suit and get their CBA together without any bumps and bruises. But the last thing you want for any for any league is to have a lockout and no games played. Even though the, that NBA season that was short was a good season, but you don't want to see players who need to feed their families out of work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at hockey. It, hockey has yet to rebound in this country. I mean, there's certain parts of the country, Chicago, Detroit, New York, that are really into hockey. But other places, it's just not what it once was before, you know, what, two strikes in 10 years? So it does it does take its toll. Absolutely. All right, well, that's it. We're going to wrap it up. We're going to give you our picks and get you ready for the final weeks of fantasy football. We'll be right back.
going to jump right into the picks week 13 four weeks remaining after this one it's getting good we've got the cowboys and the vikings and a thursday night game still no adrian peterson if you don't pick the cowboys then you must be a viking fan mo yeah absolutely uh just a quick touch last not even last week because we skipped the week for thanksgiving break as mike was stuffing himself with turkey and whatever he was eating mm-hmm. uh week 11 mike and i both went 10 and 3 so we had a pretty good week in week 11 Took a week off. Now we're back. He's going with the he's going with the Cowboys in this game on uh, Thursday night, which is tonight. Uh, I'm with him. How could you pick against the Dallas Cowboys, who won, I believe, ten straight, and the Vikings, who are struggling with their defense and, of course, struggling with their offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cowboys will win this based on their offensive line and Ezekiel Elliott doing the eating sign over the Vikings. <laughs> The Chiefs and the Falcons, what I think could be a really good game. You got, you know, high-powered offense versus a high-powered defense. But I am going to take Kansas City because as much as I like what Matt Ryan is doing, I don't trust the Falcons' defense at all. Uh, They lost, I believe his name is Desmond Trufant, uh, their top cornerback the Falcons did. So they already had the worst passing defense in the league. Now they lost their number one cornerback. So not a good mix. Uh, The Chiefs burned me two weeks ago when I picked them over the Bucks and lost. (laughs) But, uh, you know, you look at the Chiefs, what they did against Denver on that Sunday yep. football game. This is an offense that's not explosive, but when they have to score points, they will score points. And now they're playing a poor defense, so got to go with the Chiefs. Lions and the Saints, I really like the uh, the, the possibilities of this game, and I'm, I'm coming to jump on the Lions bandwagon while I can. Uh, I am taking the Lions because I think they have a, a smidge more defense than the Saints, and that's not saying a lot. Um, but I'm taking the Lions in, in a shootout, Ma. I'm going to seem like a Lions hater because I don't pick them a lot, but I think on the road, remember, the Saints are a different team when they're at home, yeah. when they're at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. So I'm, I'm going with the Saints here because I think they'll outscore the Lions. I, I envision a high-scoring game, but the Lions are good. I just don't see them going tit-for-tat with the Saints on the road. A great week for Tom Brady to lose Gronkowski. If there's ever a week that you're going you're gonna to start out with your main, without your main target, they're going against the uh, aforementioned Rams. Uh, I just I just can't see the Rams doing much of anything, though. So, you know, New England in a whopper. Uh, I don't know what the line is. The line started out at 13 and a half in favor of New England, of course. But that line will probably come down with Gronkowski. I'm picking the Patriots, by the way. But what I will say is this. I don't think it's going to be a 10-point victory for the Patriots. I think the Rams' defense will wake up a little bit. And without Ron Gronkowski terrorizing the Rams in the red zone, it could be closer than a lot of people think. But I'm still going with the Patriots. Broncos and the Jaguars, I do not know how Coach Bradley still can be called Coach Bradley. I mean, again, another guy where it seems like he has nude photos of the owner. I, I really, I just don't get it. Uh, Trevor Simeon, like I said earlier, showed me something. I think the kid has got a little bit of, you know, a little something. I'm not ready to, you know, to crown him the, the starter forever with the Broncos, but he played he played better than I think most give him credit for against a pretty good Kansas City defense, and Emmanuel Sanders was the recipient of most of those balls. So I'm taking the Broncos in a laugher. Mike trashing another head coach. Yeah. I'm surprised he's actually picking Denver because I think he picked against Denver last, what, two, three yeah, games? I did. Finally in Denver. Yep. But if you're going to pick Denver, it's got to be against Jacksonville because they are terrible. So, gotta so bad. Broncos. Yep. Uh, Trevor Simeon, as you said, playing a lot better ever since C.J. Anderson went down. At first, he was struggling because more of the offense was on his shoulders to throw the ball. And it seems like he's finally getting, getting comfortable with his expanded role. Got to go with the Broncos getting back on track. 
Most said it, Brock Osweiler may be the worst quarterback in the history of time. Well, he's going up against Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, who uh, looked like he's righted the ship last week between Devontae Adams and Jordy Nelson. Man, those two receivers are really good, but but Rodgers just, he when he's on, he's on. There's, there's just nobody better. Of course, Green Bay still doesn't have much of a running game, although Christine Michael has yet to get settled in. You have to take Green Bay at home because the Texans are just either really good or, or mostly bad. You know, so it, it's crazy because the AFC South is just so bad again. Yeah. So bad that, that the weak Colts, the weakest defense in the league, still have a chance to win this division because Brock Osweiler is so terrible. Yeah, he really is. I know Andrew Hopkins is, is probably you know having sleepless nights right now. Packers are going to win this game. And I, just a quick note, people buried the Packers like a week or two ago, and you know who's done right now? The Jets are done. The Browns <laughs> are done. San Francisco is done. Yeah. I don't see how people are burying the Packers when you have the Lions, I believe, at 7-4 and four, leading that division. Yeah. The Packers are only two games behind them. Yeah. So Packers win this game, and they'll be breathing down the Lions' neck. Yeah, and as much as I like the Lions right now, I, I wouldn't you know, crown them the champions of the NFC North because it's still the Detroit Lions. Right. Yeah. So next game, another team that's done, Cincinnati, and they're playing Philly, who's just about done. Uh, this is a terrible game on paper, guys. I just really got to be honest with you, but I'm going to take Cincinnati because they're at home. And uh, Carson Wentz has regressed to the point that he really does look like a rookie quarterback. And that's OK, because this Philly team has played probably as well as most people thought they should have. Yeah, I, I hate to say it. As you said, uh, Carson Wentz has regressed terribly. In the last four games, he's only thrown two touchdown passes. Two. Yeah. And he's thrown five picks. So this is an offense that's struggling with the offensive line, with a couple of bang-ups, and their their backfield is pretty mediocre. When Darren Sproles is your best running back, that's a problem, yeah. especially at his age. So I, I still think the Eagles win this game because I think their their front seven is still the strongest point in their defense, and I think they can rattle any thought without his top weapon, A.J. Green. I have no faith in Brandon LaFell or Tyler Boyd, the rookie at wide receiver. No Giovanni Bernard. Basically, all you really got is Jeremy Hill. So I say the Eagles win this game on a defensive matchup. It'll probably be like 13-7, 16-9, something like that. But yeah. the Eagles win. Somehow the Dolphins are still in a playoff spot. I can't stand it. It mm-hmm. makes me nauseous. They are going to play Joe Flacco and the Ravens this week. I'm taking the Ravens, even though it seems like Joey Boy can't get them in the red zone. Luckily, they've got the best kicker in the world who kicked 350-plus yarders last week. That kid is phenomenal. Mike, um, really quick. Yep. Do you know who else is playing well lately? Just just quick. Real quick. Uh, I know who it is, but I, I, I won't say his name just for the sake of not saying his name. Ryan Tannehill. I know, Mo. I know. Yes. Nine touchdowns, one interception in the last five games. What did I tell you? I know it was late. It's I know I jumped late. off the Ryan Tannehill boat, but he's finally, finally coming around. I mean, he's not on Kirk Cousins level yet. Mm, hell no. But he's he's not trash. He's not a, I said he's not trash as long as you give him balance in the JJ, even though he's taking a down tick a little bit yeah. after after bursting onto the scenes he's kind of been tempered but when the dolphins have a balanced offensive offensive attack ryan Tannehill is pretty effective but i'm going with a bit of defense here and i'm going with baltimore <laughs> but yes i did all that i did yep. out to victory that's what you did for i believe it was week one through week seven until you got off the ryan Tannehill train but Regardless, the 49ers and the Bears in what what should be played on a PlayStation and everybody should stay home and save themselves uh, the cold that will definitely be there in Chicago. 
Uh, I watched a little bit of that 49er game last week. Kaepernick didn't look terrible, but when the chips were down and he he needed to make that final rush on fourth down, he got scared, and he went down really easily. He's just kind of soft, but regardless, I'm going to take them because I don't trust Matt Barkley one wink against anybody unless he was back at USC. Uh, I know I'm going to go a little off script and off topic really quick just for a minute. I wish that we had our show last week because, we t- I mean, we, we are a sports show, but we talk about a lot of world issues. Yeah. And I wish I would have gotten, everyone would have gotten your opinion on the, the firestorm between Kaepernick and a local reporter in Miami who questioned him about his, his shirt with Fidel Castro, all that being that Fidel Castro passed away in the past week. So I wish we had your opinion on that, but there was a whole firestorm with that, and Kiko Alonso made that final tackle on Kaepernick, and he said when he made that tackle, he had that that whole Fidel Castro thing in mind because he has ties there. So just a quick note, wish we had his opinion on that, but Kaepernick, he's actually playing better than he was when he first took over the job. He's running the ball, he's throwing the ball, not throwing it all that well. I believe he's only completing about 53% of his passes, but he is still a dual threat. And I think that's going to sink the Bears. The Bears have Matt Barkley at quarterback. I said Matt Barkley way too many times in one episode of the Mike Emotion. <laughs> I believe I've mentioned him three times, which is more than enough. The Bears don't have a quarterback. They don't have any wide. They don't have any wide receivers. They just have Jordan Howard. So the 49ers win this game by default. As you said, probably the worst game on the slate for Week 13. The Bills and the Raiders, and Mo is doing it again. He's going against his boys. I know, I know he what he says. And look, I'm 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 honest, and I'm talking about it because I know what I'm talking about, and I'm a Raider correspondent. But I don't know why you sound like Stephen A. Smith. But I'm going with the Raiders because I think they're really good. I'm just gonna dumb it down for everybody. And the Bills are a one-dimensional team. If Shady McCoy runs well, they win. If not, if you can hold them in check, which is like 70 yards and, and not a score, uh, you're gonna win. But but yeah, he's hard. He's hard to he's hard to stop. But again, I think the Raiders have enough uh, at home, especially to beat Rex Ryan and the New England feet uh, Buffalo Bills. Now I know I started this show talking about how the Raiders could beat the Patriots, and I really do believe in that. And I and I actually had the Bills beating the Raiders. Yes, you heard it correctly. I had the Bills winning this game. Why? Because the Bills have rushed for I believe over 150 yards in the last four games, and the Raiders. Their the weakest point of the Raiders' defense is their rush is their run defense. They cannot stop anyone. Jonathan Stewart. Last week, who hasn't been good all year, no. looked like Adrian Peterson against the Raiders' defense last week. So just you can imagine what LeSean McCoy is going to do. And I've watched Rex Ryan coach the Jets for, what, six years? When he has the right pieces in place that he could run his ground-and-pound offense, he is pretty effective. And I want to say unbeatable, but he, he can win a lot of games. And I, I do have the Raiders finishing well this year, but... This is a bad matchup for the Raiders. I think the Bills win this one. All right, well, Mo knows best. So I'm just going with my heart. You know, that's it. Giants and the Steelers. I'm taking the Giants because, I don't know, there's just something about Landon Collins and Eli Apple, and I'm liking what I'm seeing out of that secondary, and I know I've not said that in a very, very long time. Uh, of course, look, the Steelers are good. Ben Roethlisberger, he's, he's, he's good. When he's, when he's on, he's really good. When he's off, like he was two weeks ago, it's a question mark. But I see this being, you know, 28, 21, something around there. I'm going to take the Giants. I'm going a little bit with my heart here as well. Uh, Mo, tell me why I'm wrong. You're completely wrong, and I'm going to tell you why. I know you're in, you're in Florida right now, so you don't get to see every Giants game, but the Giants struggled to beat the Bengals on Monday Night Football, which we all saw. They yeah. struggled to beat the Bears the following week. And then until late, they struggled with the Browns. So these are teams that are way 
you know, lesser teams than the Steelers. The Steelers have an explosive offense. If the Giants struggled against those lackluster teams and the Steelers are coming into town, I know the Steelers played down to the competition, but the Giants are 8-3, and three, so they'll play up. The Steelers are going to win this game based on their offense. Okay, fair enough. Somehow last week the Bucks beat Seattle. I know I didn't see that coming. I don't know many people that did, but this week they got the Chargers in San Diego. I'm sticking with San Diego. I think they're going to finish the season 8-8, eight eight, Mo. Yeah, I think they're going to think you're pretty much dead on with that. They're going to finish about 8-8. Eight eight. The Chargers aren't getting a lot of respect, but the Chargers just beat the division leading Houston Texans of the AFC South. I think the Chargers could probably beat every team in that division, but they started out slow because they had a lot of mistakes early, but without those mistakes, this Chargers team would be pretty pretty damn good. They'd probably be 7-4 right now. Yeah. But of course, you are what your record says you are, but the Chargers will beat the Bucks. Even though the Bucks play well on the road, Phillip Rivers and those receivers got to do damage. Chargers win this week. Panthers and Seahawks in a trap game. This is a big one for Seattle. Panthers obviously need to win this game to have any possibility of getting into the playoffs in the NFC. Seattle needs to win this game to reaffirm to people that they're for real because, that, like I said, after losing last week to a lifeless Tampa Bay team, uh, you know, Russell Wilson was having had three good weeks in a row until last week, and he just looked mediocre at best, 242 yards passing, two picks. With that being said, though, I'm going to take Seattle because they, I think they, they really need this game. Uh, like I said, they could very very well come out again flat, and the Panthers could steamroll them. But uh, I think if that secondary with Seattle has anything to say about it, they need to step up, in the, and it's it's now. I watched every minute of that Panthers-Raiders game, and the Panthers are terrible. <laughs> like, the Raiders had a situation where they came out of the half Yes, Derek Carr dislocated his pinky in two spots, which allowed the Panthers to get back in the game because they basically scored off of two turnovers from Derek Carr once before the injury, and once when he came back, he tried to do too much, he threw a pick, and that's what left the Panthers back in the game. But don't be fooled, this Panthers team is pretty bad, and they're not going to beat Seattle coming off of a loss in their building. Not going to happen. But real quick, I'm just going to wind it back because I think we skipped over this one. Redskins and Cardinals. Yes. Probably skipped over it because we all know the Redskins are going to win this game. <laughs> the Cardinals look like trash right now. I don't know what the problem is. People are pointing to Carson Palmer, but it's a lot more than that because your defense, I don't know what it is. The defense doesn't give up a lot of yards, but once a team gets into their red zone, the Cardinals just don't have any resistance and they just let the team walk into the end zone. So I don't know what's going on there. Cardinals do not look the same as they did last year. It's a shame that two NFC championship teams no longer look viable in that conference, but the Redskins win this. Yeah, unfortunately, it looks like my man Kirk will be without his main target, uh, Jordan Reed, who has a grade three separation of his shoulder, and that has to be painful. And it's really painful for me because I have him in one of my leagues. So we move on to a Monday night game that I can't believe is still on the schedule. Mo, isn't there that flex schedule where they could have possibly taken off the Colts and the Jets from Monday night because Andrew Luck still hasn't been cleared from concussion protocol and the New York Jets are also in that same concussion protocol because they're terrible. I think that only works for Sunday night games, uh, but you're, if they could have taken the Jets off Sunday night football with the Patriots that previous week, they could do it again because we don't need to see this. I mean, even let's say let's say Andrew Luck doesn't play. No one wants to watch this game with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Scott Tolzien running the oh, show. Oh, God. Uh, it... I hope Andrew Luck does play, and I hope that, you know gives the fans something to look at. I think the Colts win regardless because the Jets secondary is just atrocious, and and I don't again I don't understand why Ty Bowles is not pulling Ryan Fitzpatrick off the field. I under, I get it. He's saying that he doesn't want to lose the veteran locker room by starting to Bryce Petty because it shows that you're quote unquote giving up on the season. 
Volatile Bowls, guess what? The season is over. Yeah. You are you are three and eight. You're not going anywhere. You might as well start Bryce Petty or Christian Hackenberg and see what you got, especially against a weak Colts defense. And I think he's making a big mistake here, but I'm going with the Colts. Yeah, I mean it it may possibly cost him his job at the end of the year i know we've talked about how we don't think it will but anything is possible at this point and uh jets management and owners not only are they upset with Darrell revis uh, they're also upset with the direction of this team this team was not supposed to be this bad so we shall see what's going on mo what is going on in the fantasy world fantasy world mike and i both our teams are standing at eight and four but we're in two totally different situations right now as it stands i mean i I'm not a shoe-in for the playoffs. I haven't clinched or anything yet. But basically, I'm, I'm basically in the playoffs because I have about a 100-point lead over the next person behind me. So even if I were to lose and have a tie with someone who's 7-5 who will become 8-5, I pretty much will hold the tiebreaker because of points. Mike, on the other hand, needs to win to get in because he doesn't have as many points as I do, fantasy-wise. But he still has a good record. But he's going to play this uh, West Coast Waves both, uh, who's 7-5. and five. Now, if, if Mike loses to this guy, he's going to own the tiebreaker. The, the opponent is going to own the tiebreaker because he has more points than Mike does. So, basically, Mike, it's win or go home, or should I say win or go to Constellation. So, <laughs> pressure's on, my man. Yeah, on. yeah, it is because I blew that, you know, half a point that I lost by two weeks ago. So, you know, it just, just figures. It figures that's the way my luck would run. But, again, I think for a team that has had one injury after the other, starting with both of my starting running backs – uh, Kirk Cousin has led me to the promised land, uh, and by promised land, I mean, you know, barely making the playoffs, and um, and Devontae Adams has been huge for me. I picked him off the waiver wire, and he's been, he's been the number one option right now in Green Bay, which is something nobody would have seen before the season started. Now, Mo, what is the deal, because you're the man on all things MMA right now, what is the deal with Conor McGregor getting a boxing license in the state of California? Yeah, I don't have the straight skinny on this, but what I do know is that we are one step closer to getting Conor McGregor versus Floyd Money Mayweather in a boxing match. McGregor, as Mike said, has a boxing license in California, which means he could be gearing up for a fight if Mayweather is up for it. I, I know for a fact that if McGregor crosses over to boxing, I'm sure Mayweather would take the fight because obviously he's a more experienced boxer being 49-0. McGregor, who hasn't been in a boxing match, but he's in a, he's in a MMA, which is mixed martial arts, and they do all sorts of stuff. But when you get in the ring with a pure boxer, of course the pure boxer has the edge. I don't see Floyd Mayweather getting into the octagon with Conor McGregor because I know he knows that Conor McGregor would tear him up. But him, but McGregor getting that boxing license says that maybe we could see a dream match that a lot of people thought we wouldn't see months or even a year ago. I mean, I don't know a ton about MMA, uh, but I know I did a little bit about something about boxing. Is this something that Mayweather would even consider? I mean, I know the money would be stupid, probably like $75 million, but not that he needs the money, but could this, would this be something that money Mayweather would, would, would possibly sign on to do? I, I'll say this. If the money is right, money Mayweather is in it. Yeah. I know there's a, there's a chance, believe me, there is a better chance of, in my opinion, of, of Conor McGregor knocking out Mayweather than it is Mayweather beating McGregor in a knockout. Oh, yeah, sure. Because, why? Because unlike unlike boxing, there are no kicks or there are no holes or submission holes in boxing. So it's just pure punching. Whereas McGregor, he does have to deal with people who have a, a boxing background or what they say a good stand-up. So McGregor knows how to deal with people who can, who can punch and punch with power. Of course, this is with gloves. This is a different type of thing. 
But there could be something that happens where Money Mayweather slips up and gets knocked, either knocked down or he gets a, a clean punch, and people are like, "Oh, he he actually caught Mayweather." That could happen. I don't see him. I don't see Mayweather losing, but I think he knows that he's skilled enough where if even if he were to get in trouble in the boxing ring with McGregor, he'll be able to to kind of rope and dope it off and fight it off and eventually win a decision as he usually does because we all know Mayweather is not a knockout guy. So. It, again, it could happen. I could see Mayweather signing on if the cash is right because it's all about his dollars. It's all about his money. McGregor's just going into this saying, hey, what do I have to lose? McGregor has lost an MMA matchup before. Mayweather has never lost. So McGregor has less to lose. He's coming outside of his element. And again, he's lost before. So if he gets knocked out, it won't be something new. Now, if Mayweather gets knocked out, that's, that's going to light the world on fire. But I think... Again, if the money is high enough, if it's like 100 mil or something like that, Mayweather would say, okay, I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to fight either in any kind of ring, but I think I would probably rather fight McGregor less because he is a madman. And I don't know what he would do. Like, if he can't use his yeah. feet, he, he, he would use his mouth. Like, he would go Mike Tyson without a doubt. I mean, it would be scary, but I probably would, would pay to watch it. Yeah, I, I definitely would pay to watch this. I actually, honestly, hope it does happen. It does happen. A lot of people, a lot of pure boxing fans, don't want it to happen because they feel like it makes boxing into a show. But let's be honest, right now, boxing isn't what it was decades yeah. ago. Sure. It is a dying sport. MMA is taking the front seat. You have Ronda Rousey, who's a female uh, MMA fighter, who's more popular than any boxer in the sport right now. So boxing needs to breathe life into the sport, and this would definitely do that. No. Absolutely. Well, anything else, Mo, before we wrap up episode 41? Uh, Cowboys, Vikings tonight. I'm going to be watching the game. I know the Cowboys are going to win it. Uh, shout out to Laura because if she wins in our fantasy league, I will be number one in my division. Of course, I would have to win to complete that whole thing. But And good luck to Mike because, it, I mean, it would be kind of horrible if we have <laughs> – one of the show hosts not make it to the playoffs. So, Mike, uh, you got to come through and win this game. Yeah, no pressure. No pressure. I think, uh, I think uh, I put my faith in Mr. Kirk Cousins, and I will be just dandy. Real quick, don't you have Ben Roethlisberger on the same team? Yeah, no, I do, but I, I'm I'm uh, I'm all of I'm all about Kirk going forward right now. Luckily, last week, uh, even though he lost, he got me 29 points. I know Roethlisberger played well. Uh, in addition, he got I think it was like 22. But yeah, I'm just I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Kirk full steam ahead until something crazy happens, Mo. Yeah, I, I can't deny you on that one because he has the better matchup against the Carolina. Oh, Carolina, the Cardinals defense yeah. versus. Ben Roethlisberger playing the Giants, whose secondary has been playing pretty, pretty well. What I will say is, hope you make the right decision with everything else. <laughs> we'll be back, and of course, we'll have the results to that. And Mike will either be upset that he started a defense and he gave negative points, or he'll be happy because Kirk Cousins, of course, led him to the promised land. Anything is possible. I'll be really happy if the Magic fire Rob Hennigan. But until <laughs> then... As always, I'm Mike Calandrillo. He is Maurice Moten, and this has been episode 41 of the Mike and Mo Show. Find us on iTunes, Mike and Mo Show. Find us on Stitcher, the official home of our show. Twitter and Facebook, at Mike and Mo Show. And that is it until next week. Everyone have a great week. Take care of one another. Be kind, rewind, and we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.